Hi, Bulldog fans, and welcome back to the Drake Basketball Podcast. Coming to you on the heels of the Belmont blowout, the nightmare in Nashville. And we're ready to dig into that as well as get prepped for the Indiana State game upcoming in Des Moines on Wednesday. So, uh, Eduardo, tough game. Welcome. This is the Belmont venting session. This is a safe space. We will talk about what happened in Nashville, but truly a brutal game for Drake. Uh, I guess I'd start out by saying I, I was a little bit leery of the matchup going into it, because let's be real, Drake crushed Belmont both times last year and they specifically embarrassed them at home. So I kind of had a feeling Belmont was going to come out with a little extra chip on their shoulder. And even though they had one of their best guards out with an injury, it wasn't looking good from the very beginning. It was truly a reversal of last year's game where the Bulldogs traveled to Nashville for their first game without Tucker DeVries, who was out with, I think it was an elbow injury at the time. But this game turned on the TV and immediately saw that their starting point guard, Jacoby Gillespie, was on the bench. Gillespie led the Bruins in assists, field goal percentage, and steals, all while averaging 16 points a game. So just seeing that pop up on the TV, I was like, hmm, I wonder if the basketball gods have a sense of humor. Yeah, and and right out of the bat, I mean, it was very clear because of that injury, it was going to be the Malik Dia show, and they were going to run everything through him. And you know, spoiler alert, Tucker and I message a lot during Drake games. And I would say the first 10 minutes, I was fine with the direction that the game was going in. Like Belmont really wasn't playing their style of basketball. They weren't moving the ball. Yeah, Dia was hitting everything and, and Brody was not doing it. I shouldn't even say wasn't doing a good job of getting up into him. He wasn't even trying to get up into him, which was very frustrating to watch. But overall, like, it was a tie game. Dia was going off. But again, Belmont wasn't really running. They weren't really playing how they typically play. Uh, so I was like, okay, you're not playing well, turning the ball over. But then just the end of the second half, the, the end of the first half was really sloppy. And I think one of the things that really stood out just offensively, like Adam Wright was, he didn't even attempt a shot. How many minutes into the game was it? It was like, 15, 16 minutes into the game? It was far enough in that the announcers commented on it repeatedly. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about Dia. I mean, he was just hitting everything from outside with his little set shot. Had a great game, 32 points for Belmont. But what did you see, I guess, in that first half? Because we can delve into the second half too. But what did you see in the first half that was giving Drake so many issues? So I've made this reference before, but this is another game that did it. Reminded me of the infamous... Noah Carter game with you and I at the Nap Center where you have, not that Dia is a role player because he's not, he's very good, but you have a player doing something unexpected and just having a game that defies statistics and we stick with our game plan probably past where we should because coming into the game, Dia was a 30% three-point shooter. So I'm sure if you tell DeVries in advance that he's going to jack eight threes, including some that were pretty deep, I'm sure he's mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, we'll take those odds. But he ended up going five from eight from three. And once it became clear that he was going to be Steph Curry on Sunday, we really did need to do a little bit more to adapt to him. Yeah, we were definitely slow to change a strategy on, on Dia. 
Brody, he does this thing where it's almost like he's disgusted that there are big men out there that don't want to play in the post and want to instead shoot threes. He did a really good job last year against Bradley and and Rink Mast, but this year really was the first time that he was playing someone who exclusively wants to shoot threes. He did uh, go inside a little bit, but really, Dia was like, okay, well, you're not going to step out. I'm just going to shoot it. So Brody was in the matchup, and I felt like Tucker DeBreeze actually did a pretty good job on him. And and the reason for that is Tucker does two things really well. He's always in good position, and he rarely leaves his feet. So just those two elements, he probably was matched up on Dia, I'm going to guess, six or seven possessions just off the top of my head. And I don't think he scored on, on Tucker's. So yeah, like, do you want your best offensive player guarding their six nine athletic guy no it's not ideal but again if you're not coming up with a solution for him like you got to try something different and and we just never did especially if they're scoring that much on you because it's not like it was a possession by possession grind out game where it's really defense decides it like they were just getting whatever they wanted 19 of 24 from the line 12 of 22 from three they shot 57 percent from the field collectively so i mean that tells you right there most of the time they went down they were going to score they had an incredible offensive game and i would say the second half was way worse than the first half because they were playing Belmont basketball, which is moving the ball, driving kick, getting wide open look after wide open look. So that was like the worst of the worst of both worlds. Like, okay, now Diaz in a rhythm and now we're allowing everyone else to pop off. So I still felt like we could have won that game at halftime because again, Belmont, it really had just been the the Diaz show. But then the second half, Right out of the gate, Belmont hits two straight threes. Uh, and it just never, we just were never comfortable offensively. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I just go back to this constantly. I, It's it's our guard play that can really doom us. Um, I'd say the one positive I would point out, Kevin Overton, again, outstanding defensively. I thought he did a terrific job on Cade Tyson. And I actually thought Tucker played a pretty good offensive game, like 13 points, six assists. Uh, those were kind of the two the two things I would say, okay, that was all right. Everything wait, else wait, was not good. Wait, did you just good. say you thought Tucker played a pretty good game? Offensively, I thought he played a pretty decent game. Yeah, I mean, look, he wasn't. 13 one for six from three and five turnovers? Well, the turnovers were not good, admittedly. But – like this is the time out. This is our this is our first debate style take on the Drake basketball podcast. So I just wanted to mark it. Skip Bayless okay. and Shannon Sharp coming to you live from the Drake basketball podcast studios. Yeah, the the five turnovers from Tucker were not good, and yeah, he did go one for six from three, but they were they were good shots. They were in the flow of the offense. You know, he was four for four from ten from the field. And honestly, yeah, maybe he should have been trying to take take over a little bit more but it just really wasn't there a lot of the time so I didn't feel like Tucker played a particularly bad offensive game it just never there was no flow to the Drake offense but but yeah I mean he didn't score his usual 20 points better efficiency that you know we're all accustomed to seeing from Tucker Uh, and then Adam Wright 
ended up with like the quietest 14 points you've ever heard of i, I think they were all like garbage garbage time points because like i said he just i don't know we didn't find him um and then kevin overton really couldn't get going he's so important just hitting those safety valve threes on just kick out and then connor just had a rough game couldn't really get anything going offensively wasn't doing a good job getting us into our sets and it was just bad i mean all around not a lot of positives so if we're if you're saying like well i don't think tucker had a good game then really the only thing we can say is hey kevin overton played really well against their best forward (laughs) it's funny and yeah i'm obviously not calling out tucker at all because this game wasn't his fault the entire team played very just lax uninspired unengaged basketball from the start and they were clearly very disrupted by belmont and offense but it's funny because when you were talking about like what can we look to i was going through the box score just trying to figure out i was like all right what's one good thing that happened in this game And what I landed on was Colby Garland went three of four from the field, two of two from the line. He had three assists and one steal. Yeah. He looked pretty good in this game. Yeah. Colby, this is probably what, like game five. It's been like five straight games where you know what you're getting from Colby. And it's, it's really positive. He's, he's giving you good defense. He does a pretty good job at attacking the, the paint and he does a good job of getting out in transition. So I think, some of Connor's minutes went to Kobe in the second half a little bit, but again, we do have some interesting guard options that we can turn to. If Connor's not playing well, if Adam is not playing well, where it's okay to kind of mix it up. And we were just reluctant. We were just reluctant on Sunday to kind of deviate from the game plan. And it was an ugly watch. One more thing I would point out, the turnovers. Belmont turned it over 15 times too, but 15 turnovers for Drake is very uncharacteristic. And then got to point it out, five from 23 from three. So horrible shooting day. And then again, you know, it seems that this continues to be a trend. Belmont shot 11 more free throws than Drake. Uh, so again, yeah, there are a couple back calls where Belmont went to the line where they probably shouldn't have. But overall, like if you're not attacking and you're not hitting threes, you're not going to win a basketball game. Yeah, I was extremely frustrated with offensive game plan as a whole going against them because you look at last year in Nashville and Drake held Belmont to one of 16 from three. That was the difference. The defense we played on them, we stuck with them on the perimeter and where we killed them on offense was in the paint. Now, going into this year's matchup, Belmont was ranked 317th nationally in defense against the two. Like 317th. That's horrific. And we responded by playing mostly perimeter-oriented basketball, jacking up threes, and turning the ball over 15 times. And I know we don't have as many penetrating guards as we've had in the past, especially, you know, with you've got a guy like Roman who is an all-valley level player, so much experience. He knows exactly how to dissect the defense. But I think we need to get better penetrating via the dribble and getting into the paint because that was nowhere to be found yesterday. It's it's hard to describe. It's our job, Tucker, to try to explain what the hell happened in, in Nashville. But it was just so disjointed. And Belmont was playing some really good perimeter defense, doing a good job of just not allowing drake to get into the paint but then the looks that we were getting from three just not going down and when kevin overton's not hitting threes and tucker is shooting one of six it's going to be a rough day 
On the bright side, though, you know, we did pick up a new offensive move, courtesy of Cade Tyson. Instead of just your standard Euro step, you lead with the elbow and just rip it right across Ferguson's jaw and then finish with the finger roll. And that's an and one. It breaks the other player's jaw and just all kudos to him and for the refs for showing us that that's a legal move. I couldn't believe that they didn't even go to the monitor to look at. And I'll tell you the exact player I thought of when that happened. And that's Tremel Murphy. Because if <laughs> Tremel would have done that, he would have been potentially facing prison and or like a 10-game suspension. Like the LML w- would get called on in the past where like the most ticky-tacky things you could ever think of. And Kate Tyson elbows Nate Ferguson right across the face as on his way to the basket and gets an and one call and nobody looks at the video board so ferguson's laying on the ground grabbing his face i was like yeah no count it good stuff well also that over and back call was nonsense there were a few on there and to be honest like kate tyson had that one then he had another foul that nobody touched him so what i'm saying is Kevin Overton held them to nine points. It really should have been more like four points <laughs> if we're if we're being honest. You know, so again, the one bright spot that we can point to is Kevin Overton as a put him on your best forward. Like he's money. Yeah, and defensively, he's only gonna get better as he continues to put on more muscle in the weight room, get faster, quicker. I mean, because like we said, he's only a freshman. So if he can do that good of a job defensively starting now like you can only imagine what he's going to be next year and the year after that so we talked about belmont we vented trying to get the stink off of that loss but we got to turn the page because we have indiana state coming into des moines on wednesday so how, how are you feeling about that matchup i mean it's a guaranteed win right my thoughts exactly. We don't play two horrible coach, games in a row, right? Coach DeVries does not play two bad games in a row. And I apologize for jinxing us if we lose on Wednesday, Bulldog fans. But like, I can just think of so many instances. Uh, do you remember it was during the COVID season we played Loyola and we got oh, yeah. raced out of the NAP Center by them. That was at the game. They won by like 25 points or something. And then they played again the next day and Drake wins by five. Yeah, no, I I remember. And, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, I think a bad loss like this, Drake Twitter and the message boards go crazy. You know, we kind of forget that we we do have a good record. We are still three and one in conference play. Horrible loss. But as it pertains to Indiana State, you know, the idea of, well, if we lose to Belmont by 22, what's Indiana State going to do to us? That's ludicrous. I think Indiana State can definitely still win that game, but it's not going to be a blowout. I can guarantee that for sure. And I do still expect Drake to win. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Indiana State, because obviously they they come into the matchup still undefeated in conference play, 4-0. And the one thing that you could say about them all year is they've looked really good offensively pretty much every single game they've played. Yeah, I mean, Drake has been a pretty up-tempo program in the DeVries era, but I do not think we've ever played quite as fast as this particular Sycamore team. They average almost 87 points a game, which is good for 11th nationally. I watched them play against Michigan State, and what's really impressive is how they do it. They still have a relatively young roster under Josh Shirts, but they move the ball like they've been playing together for a long time. 
and watching them, you see a lot of layered action with handoffs, back cuts uh, that make the defender rotate and then opens them up for three. They average 17.5 assists per game, which is top 30 in the country. And as a team collectively, they shoot 41% from three. So they're a nightmare to cover because every member of the starting lineup can shoot, including their center, Robbie Avila. They're very tough to defend. I think they got six guys over 40% for the season. Um, Robbie Avila is probably the head of the snake. You know, he does a really good job of passing the ball, of being a matchup nightmare with the shooting, with his passing. Um, so that's probably the most important matchup for Drake. And as you just saw with a shooting big man, like we just saw in Belmont, um, that can create some problems. Um, and then just the shooting from I say a swope and and also from uh, Ryan Conwell. I mean, they're just snipers. I mean, they are. So lots of issues that could be presented to Drake from what the Sycamores do. Yeah, they're a pretty athletic team, too. They've got Jason Kent, who was a transfer from Bradley, who's around six, seven. And, you know, he's very long, athletic. He sort of plays that role that Trammell used to play for the Bulldogs in terms of just being a very versatile defender who can switch and do a little bit of everything. Julian Larry is a very good defensive guard. He's big. At the same time, he's probably the member of their starting lineup that I'd like to shoot threes most. Like he's either all or nothing. Mm. He sort of reminds me of their Draymond Green and that <laughs> his head gets into it a little bit sometimes when I watch him. He can be kind of streaky. So I'm going to be very interested to see how Darnell responds because like Malik Dia, Robbie is a very mobile big man and he's going to force Brody to guard him on the perimeter. So Darnell's going to have to be engaged all game long. And I think this is a really big chance for him to bounce back. I mean, Brody had a had a really bad game against Belmont. And I expect that this game, he won't be just allowing, well, let's see if Avila hits one from out deep. I expect him to be fully on him. And again, we're just going to have to come up with some different uh, looks for what Indiana State tries to do. I'm not super afraid of playing an up-tempo pace like that. I think that can really benefit with some of our guys, you know, when Connor starts pushing it, when Colby starts pushing it. But you also can't get too fast, can't get out of what you're trying to do. I expect a high-scoring affair, and it's a huge game for Drake after losing to Belmont. I mean, if if it needed to be said, I'm just emphasizing the importance of the game. I'll be very interested also to see who Coach DeVries puts on Isaiah Swope because he is their leading scorer at about 19 points a game, and he can knock down threes. He's really quick. He can drive, put up floaters. He was wildly impressive against Michigan State. He's not too tall. I think he's like 6'1 or something. So maybe we try putting some size on him with Overton or stick with speed with, you know, Connor or Colby. What do you think about that? Because uh, you're right. He's actually uh, 5'10". Uh, oh. So I think I think what he's going to do, I think Kevin Overton is going to get the Ryan Conwell assignment and stick him on the bigger guard. And then I think it's going to start out as Connor, but it'll eventually morph into Colby Garland getting the assignment of just being a pest and Isaiah Swope. And, you know, Colby has, has shown that he can defend guards like that at a pretty high level but it's definitely going to be by committee because they're going to get their points in some way shape or form you know it's it's more so just trying to limit their efficiency and trying to disrupt their flow one thing i will say if you're trying to be glass half full on having your hands full <laughs> against indiana state 
they haven't beaten anyone. I mean, like they haven't, you know, when you go through their schedule, you know, their best win is probably they're all in the Valley. You know what I mean? And the two games that they, are you calling the Northern Iowa Panthers? Nobody. I'm sorry. I'm not impressed by their win against (laughs) you and I, Um, but they did play well against Michigan state. You know, they ended up losing by 12, but that was a game where Robbie Avila was in foul trouble all game and they still hung around. So that shows you the type of ceiling that they have. But again, if you're trying to be a contrarian and you look through their schedule, the thing that I would say is the most impressive is their focus. And by that, I mean their ability to, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to execute. We're going to run you out of the gym from that standpoint, they've been terrific. I mean, they've blown out all these crappy teams. They've blown out all these average teams. Um, they just haven't picked up, you know, what you would call like a signature win this season. You know, losing to Alabama by 22 and then the Michigan State game I just referenced. But but yeah, to I mean. Be fair, they, to be fair, the Alabama loss was without Avila. That's true. That is true. But Probably their best win, you know, in all seriousness, is probably Ad Bradley, you know, winning by eight in Peoria. I mean, that's a good win. And yeah, okay, they won at UNI, although they can get credit for that. And they beat Southern Illinois by almost 30. Yes, they did. And that's what I mean. Like, their focus, their ability to not take off their foot from the pedal, I mean, they don't. Like, once they see blood in the water, they don't let up. But that's the best contrarian take I can give you but I still think they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're they're extremely good. Drake is going to have their hands full. It'll be uh it'll be interesting cuz their stretch after Drake's at this point in the season, regardless of what any Debbie Downer fans will tell you, the race for the crown is still firmly in Drake's control. We're 3 and 1 in conference and we're about to play the team in first place. Like if we win that, it's tie for first place and obviously we have the temporary tiebreaker cuz we beat them head to head, but after Drake they played Belmont at home. Missouri State at home for going on the road to play an improving Murray State team. So I don't know. It'll be interesting in these next four games to sort of see what happens with them. Absolutely. And as far as bigger picture, you know, one thing we probably should have mentioned with the Belmont loss is that probably completely ends Drake's at-large hopes. I think it was already a, a long shot, and I think that probably ends that, right? Unless we win every game for the rest of the season. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess if Drake goes 19 and 1 in conference play, makes it to the title game, and loses a close game, I guess there's a shot. <laughs> but a 22 point loss at Belmont is not good. Here I am making again very wild statements on the Drake basketball podcast. Yeah, and we're lucky we got that down to 22. Hey, shout out to Andrew Aliyah. Come on. My favorite walk-on, giving us some nice five points off the bench. Your favorite? Brayshawn Hall's family is going to have words for you. (laughs) What's your predicted score for Wednesday? Oh, I'm going to go. Drake's going to win this 82 to 77. I've got it at 88-81. Wow. 88 points. It's a big number. We're going to break out of our slump in a big way. The numbers even out. We can't shoot that poorly in one game. We're going to be back home, going to be pissed off, 
I just got to say, I mean, have we ever incorrectly predicted a game yet on the Drake basketball podcast? Maybe the Miami game uh, last year, but I think we've been pretty spot on. I mean, we might be batting a thousand. Probable. We might be the Malik Dia against Drake. Just never misses. uh, Of Drake uh, predictions. Yeah, just never misses. (laughs) And not to go back to Belmont again. But can you really blame Coach DeVries for not guarding that guy further out when he shoots a jump shot without leaving the ground? It's ridiculous. It's very impressive. He does not leave the ground. He kind of has like a kind of looks like Jaron Jackson Jr. uh, when he's shooting a little bit. Um, That's probably who he should try to model his game after, actually. Well, you know, people say that uh, Robbie Avila is Nikola Jokic, both being doughy white dudes who play center and can shoot threes well and and you know that tucker has been compared to luka Doncic, so obviously mm-hmm. not hyperbolic comparisons at all well hopefully there won't be any nba scouts in attendance at wednesday's game doesn't seem to go great when that's the case for drake and for tucker but indiana state on wednesday night huge game and then another big game coming up on Saturday against Southern Illinois, we talked about this in the last episode. I mean, Drake kind of has like this little three-game stretch that's pretty brutal with the two road visits and then Indiana State there in the middle. So following the Southern Illinois game, we do have a bit of a stretch. If we can win the next two, we can really pick up some momentum because after Indiana State and Southern Illinois, it's Illinois State, Evansville, Missouri State, Eduardo's preseason champion, Northern Iowa then Valpo at home before we have to play Indiana State again. And also curious to get your thoughts on Evansville. We did touch on them the last episode, and uh, they had a they had a rough week, I think. <laughs> Safe to say. Yeah, they did. I remember they were getting blown out by someone. I don't remember who, though. Murray State gave them the business. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's rough for Evansville fans. And they got up for that, too. Like, I saw they had a really good sized crowd like seven or eight thousand on yep. hand and then just completely laid an egg at home it reminded me of a ray jacoletti game against northern iowa or something you get the big in-state crowd and then just don't bother to show up i i mean i'm i can't believe you're disrespecting the great mark phelps like that that was a vintage mark phelps performance <laughs> if i ever if i ever saw one oh <laughs> uh, yeah so like we said Everything is still in front of Drake. Uh, really got to take care of business against Indiana State. And then we'll kind of see how things go from there. Any any other Valley thoughts or anything in the MVC that you want to point out? You know, this Drake team has such a high ceiling. And I think it's a team that still has a lot of new faces and will just continue to gel and get better as the season goes on. I think you're going to have Indiana State and Drake making up the top layer. I think you'll have Southern Illinois and Belmont and probably Bradley making up that second tier. And then everybody else with the exclusion of Valpo who has their own tier at the very bottom. So. <laughs> uh, Valpo. Uh, <laughs> the, the tiers are really, they kind of are already, you can, you can just see them. I, I think it is, I would throw Belmont at the top. You know, I think it is Indiana state, Drake, Belmont. Then you have, Bradley, Southern Illinois, I guess you can say Missouri State, but they've, you know, they have not looked good. And then the next year after that, kind of you have your UNI, Murray State, and then Illinois State probably after that. So 
yeah. I probably should be more respectful to the team that could have just beaten us by 30 instead of just immediately assigning them to the layer below us. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they played really poorly in the non-conference. So, I mean, it's they've looked good in conference play, though. And, yeah, they'll they'll be there. But I still think Indiana State is the bigger threat to the title. Yeah, still fully confident aboard the Bulldog bandwagon. Really excited to see what happens on Wednesday. Let's go, dogs. Let's go, dogs. Let's go, dogs.